welcome to the Bridge the Divide podcast with Erica Turner and Heidi Wheeler, hosts and founders of the group Bridge the Divide Cedarburg. We hope to provide a forum for discussion and action around racial reconciliation. We seek to identify instances of inequality, foster empathy, and educate others to recognize their part in problems and solutions in Ozaki County and beyond. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to Bridge the Divide. Uh, We thank you for listening in if this is your first time. If you're one of our regulars, thanks for coming back. Hopefully you bring a friend share the uh the link over on apple podcast and and we'll we'll just keep bringing you our stories and hopefully you all can bring some more people to listen to them uh this is the last time i got the day wrong this is june 29th's show um so i'm i'm working on on knowing my days here um we have brought with us today for the show a guest and we would like for you to meet uh, Darnisha. Darnisha, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me here today. I appreciate you. Um, my name is Darnisha Garbati, and I live in Burlington, Wisconsin. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with Burlington, um, it's kind of west of Kenosha, um, but south of Milwaukee. Um, Burlington is a predominantly white town, um, 97% white, um, 0.3% black, according to the last uh, census. And um, my husband is white and I'm black. Um, we have eight children. Three of them are white and five of them are black. And we um, purchased our home in Burlington about four years ago. Um, if you talk to our white children, they will tell you that they have um, an amazing life in Burlington. They absolutely love it. Um, if you talk to our black children, on the other hand, um, their story um, would be um, dramatically different. Um, they've endured quite a bit of racism in Burlington, um, in the community, um, in church, um, but mainly in school. And the racism at school has been the worst. Um, it's shown up in the form of them getting spit on, pushed down the stairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, black kids are being called the N-word on a daily basis as they sit in class. White kids are yelling it out as they walk past the doors. Um, and then um, when black kids are transitioning in between classes is being yelled out. Uh, Mexican kids are being called beaners and wetbacks. They're being asked if they climb the wall to get here, if Trump knows that they're here. Um, White students are carrying Confederate flags around, um, wearing them on their person, on their belts, um, posting them on their lockers, on their vehicles. And um, the district's response um, has not been a good one. Mm. Um, Whenever white students do things, they often get off with verbal warnings um, or a very minimal discipline or um, in some situations, none at all. Um, Darnisha, I'm going to take you back just a minute. How long have you all been in Burlington? Has it been their entire lives or? We've been there for four years. Okay. Okay. And where were you before that? Uh, Before that, immediately before that, we lived in Kenosha, but only for like nine months while we looked for a home to buy, which Mm -hmm. is how we ended up in Burlington. Hmm. Mm -hmm. So not much of a district. I was writing that down as a note. I wanted to know what we, so not much. Yeah. Is it, what do the policies say? Is there something official? I mean, I don't know if you've looked at that. Um, and then does the policy match or mismatch the action? 
Yes. So they have a few different policies in place. Um, They have a bullying policy. Um, They have um, a few other policies. But when we looked at the policies as a coalition, um, so I'm the president of the Burlington Coalition for Dismantling Racism. When we looked at the district's policies a few months back, we realized that the policies were not um, equitable. Uh, for black and brown um, students or staff. Um, The district only has one black teacher in the whole district. Mm -hmm. And um, despite the fact that they have, um, according to the last um, thing I saw on Wise Dash, 39 black students, and then they have students um, of other races as well. Um, But um, the policies were not equitable. So what we did is we put together our own anti-racism policy and we um, submitted it to the school and we attended a board meeting and we um, requested that they would adopt it. Um, and the anti-racism policy basically, um, you know, um, specifically spelled out discipline. Um, if students and or staff choose to partake in racist um, behaviors, um, racial slurs, any hate speech, um, we put put some incentives in there that teachers could get if they chose to educate themselves continually um, um, to become more uh, racially conscious and aware. Mm-hmm. Um, we put some um, practices in there that we'd like the district to screen their staff, you know, like right up front before they Mm -hmm. hire them to make sure they're going to be um, practicing equity. Um, We also would like, you know, the district to adopt some um, committees for students, um, staff and parents um, to be advocates for these kids so that they can have a safe space to go to. They used to have a black student alliance, but they got rid of that. Um, Mm. years ago Mm. and it sounds like they need to bring it back Mm -hmm. so those are just some of the things that we put in that policy so when you um when you started to see and hear these things did you have any other parents of any of the other children of color that were kind of in agreement and willing to go with you or was there an issue with we're we don't want to make things worse so maybe we won't kind of jump in there with you how did that go initially um I was on this journey alone pretty much Mm -hmm. um and that went on for a long time um right in the beginning I like so many other people um was really just giving the district the benefit of the doubt when my daughter would come home and say you know my teacher won't call my name she only calls the white students you know I'd say well Maybe it's just because it's one teacher and a bunch of students, you know, Mm -hmm. and they can't Mm -hmm. call on everybody. Um, So initially, I wasn't even aware um, of the racism. Mm -hmm. And I was minimizing my daughter's voice and didn't even realize it. Um, But by the time I realized it, it, um, I didn't know of any other families of color at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, However, a few months back, I started having these um, diversity dinners, um, is what I called them. Mm -hmm. And so I would invite um, students over to the house, um, of course, with their parents' permission. Um, And then one time I did one at like McDonald's. Um, Students of various races. So there were white students, Mexican ones, black ones. And we had these types of conversations Mm -hmm. where, you know, I would ask questions and then they would answer. 
And yes, um, all the students of color had the same narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I got that information from about um, kids being called the N-word other than my own children. Uh, Mexican kids said that they were being called beaners and wetbacks mm-hmm. and those kinds of things. And all the white students had the same narrative. I myself have never directly been um, negatively impacted by um, racial discrimination. However, I am negative, negatively impacted indirectly when I see it happening to students of color on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So they mm-hmm. each went around one by one and had that same narrative. Mm-hmm. We, we've talked about that before, about the young people. You know, if the if if us old folks aren't going to do something or talk about it, those young people are and they're mm-hmm. seeing things and there's no way that they are a not seeing it or b not affected by it. Mm-hmm. It's maybe how they're communicating it with a parent who may have the same, <laughs> the same of uh, philosophies that they're hearing at school. So mm-hmm. why would you tell your parent? Your parent's gonna just agree. So that the the youth are gonna they're gonna have to get us moving. Yeah, they, they really are. Mm-hmm. And we we've also talked here about trying to. Um, in Cedarburg with the same similar kind of makeup, you know, 96 at 97 percent white. And who do our kids get to talk to not only reporting an issue, because that's something that we mm-hmm. want to make sure that that the, the district hears. If someone reports something, we need you to hear them and do something mm-hmm. about it. But even if they're not reporting it, if you've got 500 kids walking around in school affected by racism every day and no one says anything about mm-hmm. it. You know, that what does that tell them? That teaches them that you don't have to. And when you get out in the workplace, you don't have to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, that that's really good that the, the children were able to to open up and talk to you about it. And then your step going to advocate for your children and other children at the school. Uh, like, did you just start with a teacher and then a superintendent and then the school board? Did you head straight for the school board? How did you attack that? And then how did they respond? And how did they respond? (laughs) So initially, um, I started off just trying to partner with the district. You know, I thought, okay, um, you know, this was just one racist act. And this was a situation when my daughter was just nine years old. Um, I was at work and I got a call saying I needed to come to the phone. It was an emergency. It was my daughter's school. I was in a, a room with a patient. Um, I'm in, I was in healthcare. And so I came out and what the principal told me is your daughter brought a BB gun to school and you need to come and get her right away. And so it was the end of the school day. And I said, Oh my gosh, where would she get a BB gun? She said, I don't know, but she has one and you need to come and get her. And I said, okay. So she had me leave my job. Um, and when I got there, my daughter uh, was trembling. She had been crying a really long time. She had dried up tears on her face. I mean, she was just terrified. Um, again, um, this was the first incident that I became aware of the racism. So I was still giving them the benefit of the doubt. Mm. When a principal calls me and say, my daughter brought a BB gun to school, I had no reason not to believe her. Right. And so I did. And so I thought my daughter was just trembling and shaking and scared because she knew she was going to get in trouble for bringing a BB gun to school. She suspended my daughter. um, And then when we got home, um, I received an email um, and realized she had sent out a mass email to all the parents in the school 
and didn't even tell me she was going to do that about this kid who brought this BB gun to school. And because there is not that many black people in Burlington, it was not hard for people to find out that it was my daughter. Mm -hmm. Uh, Parents started canceling play dates. Mm -hmm. They started texting me saying, no, you know, my kid cannot hang out with your kid. Did the letter say that in it? It did not say my daughter's name, but because Burlington's a small town Mm -hmm. and there's only a few black people, it was easy for people to figure out who my daughter was. Mm -hmm. And so they started saying, no, my Mm -hmm. kid cannot hang out with your kid. So um, when we got home, my daughter said, Mom, I feel like they were being racist towards me. Mm-hmm. And I said, what happened? Come to find out, she actually took a toy gun to school. It was clear and orange, and it was for show and tell day. Mm. She had taken ah. multiple toys to school um, for show and tell day before that. And this day, it was clear and orange, could not be mistaken as a BB gun, like no. the principal had said. And my daughter said, um, oh, oh, and the incident, come to find out, happened the day before. They allowed her to come back to school without my knowledge, and they interrogated her the entire school day as if she was a criminal. And she was nine at the time. Mm -mm. And she told me that they were trying to get her to lie, to admit that she was plotting to shoot up the school and to shoot up kids. And she said, Mom, I kept telling them, how could you kill somebody with a toy? It's just a toy. And she said, and when they couldn't get me to lie... The principal told me the story of a black kid in Milwaukee who was shot and killed by the police. Mm. And so they tried to railroad her into admitting that she was plotting to shoot up the school. Mm. When I went to the district to pick up the supposed BB gun, that's when I found out that it was a toy. So at this point, up until then, I still thought it was a BB gun. And so... um, The superintendent, I said to him, can you pull it out the bag so I can see it? And when he pulled it out, his mouth dropped, my mouth dropped. It was clear and orange, could not be mistaken as a BB gun. Mm. And I said, oh, my Mm. gosh, the principal told me it was a BB gun. He said, yeah, she told me that, too. He said, I'm the one who told her to to suspend your daughter. He said, I bought this same toy gun for my own kids when they were little. And he said, I'm so sorry. And so that's when the journey began of me trying to partner with the district. So he said, how could we rectify this? I said, well, clearly um, the way she was disciplined was excessive um, Mm -hmm. for a toy gun. It's clearly not a BB gun. Mm -hmm. Her reputation and character has been ruined. Mm -hmm. So I feel like a public apology um, is um, warranted. Mm -hmm. I want that email retracted. Mm -hmm. I want another one sent out Mm -hmm. um, admitting that you guys made a mistake. Mm -hmm. And I want that suspension removed. And I said, um, and I want you to deal with the racism Mm -hmm. that clearly exists with her telling my nine-year-old fourth grader a horrible story about black kids being murdered by policemen. Right. How and how are you undoing that trauma? Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. You know, you you can't take that back Mm. from the from a kid listening to you tell them about it. Mm -mm. Oh my goodness. Okay. Okay. I think I want to say that we should take a break only so that I can breathe and not (laughs) and not just kind of. Yeah. So let's let's run to a break real quick and we'll be back. Thank you, Dirty. You're welcome. Thank you for hanging around. Um, I think that my blood pressure is down a little bit. I think I've I've taken a few deep breaths, had some water, 
And um, hopefully you have too. And we want to have uh, Darnisha thank you again for coming. Mm-hmm. And we'd like to have you finish up your story for us. Thank you so much, ladies. So um, the superintendent, um, who was Peter Smet at the time, um, he said to me, you know, all of those things are in order. Um, And he was very apologetic. And so what he did is he scheduled a meeting with the principal, who was Jacqueline Science at Winkler in Burlington. And um, the three of us went to the meeting. And when we got there, you know, he laid out the things that I had um, said I wanted to see take place. And she said, absolutely not. I'm not doing any of it. She said, I'm not apologizing. She said, "Um, I will not remove the suspension. And she said um, she took the policy and she slammed it on the table. And she said the policy states that no weapons of any kind should be brought into the school premises. And she um, I said, but it's a toy. And she said, yeah, but it says no toys either. And so I said, you stand behind everything you did and said. She said, yes. Mm. Everything I did and said, I stand behind it. I said, so you mean to tell me that if my daughter was a white Mm nine-year-old fourth grader, Mm -hmm. you would have told her the horrific story about Mm -hmm. a black kid in Milwaukee being murdered by a police officer? Mm. She said, I absolutely would have. Nope. False. (laughs) And I said, why would you need to specify race of a black kid for a white student? Mm. And she began to name off all of the things she has done over her career involving minorities. Mm. And she kept saying, I am not going to apologize. And the superintendent said, yes, you will. And she said, no, I won't. And he said, yes, you will. And she said, no, I won't. And you could see the two of them going back and forth. And he was struggling to get her to humble herself yep, and to express some empathy for the damage she had caused my daughter and my family. But he was trying to remain professional and not reprimand her in front of me. Right. And once he saw that she continually refused to apologize, he apologized again on her mm-hmm. behalf. Mm-hmm. And the next school year, she was moved. I thought she was gone. But I learned that they had moved her to another elementary school. So now she's at Cooper Elementary. Ooh. And so she can um, have some time to harass and traumatize another kid, maybe. Mm. Yep. And I had mm. another parent come to me recently and tell me a story and come to find out she, she was involved in it, of course. Mm. And this is two years how later. How did she get to keep her job? Uh, That's a great question. I don't know how she got to keep her job, but she did. Mm. And yeah. so that was the beginning of trying to work with the district. Mm-hmm. Tell me, if we can backtrack just a minute, tell me how your daughter handled all of that. How how did she do, you know, immediately after, a few years after? What What is that doing, that memory? How's that affecting her? It was very traumatic. Like I said, when I got to the school, she was shaking. Uh, She was crying. There had been dried up tears on her face as well as wet ones. So you could tell that she had been crying a long time. She was terrified. Um, The trauma alone that was associated with her being falsely accused and interrogated like a criminal, um, trying to be coerced into lying, 
um, and then told these horrific stories, it brought up, I mean, some old trauma as well. Um, because her dad, my ex, he was murdered in Milwaukee. Mm. And so when the teacher, when that principal talked about a black kid being murdered in Milwaukee, it brought up the fact that her dad had been murdered in Milwaukee. And so there was just layers upon layers upon layers of trauma. And then she loved school. She couldn't understand why she couldn't go. Um, so she was crying over that because she still wanted to go back to school, but she was suspended. Um, she was, um, crying over the fact that she had lost all of her friends. She was a new kid in a new town. She was black in a predominantly white town, finally making friends and having play dates. And then they were all snatched away. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was very traumatic for her. Um, She was worried about what people were going to think about her when she did finally return back to school and what that was going to be like. You know, she's being looked at as a person who was plotting to shoot up the school and the whole town knows it. And that was just a lot of heaviness and baggage that mm. a nine-year-old Too should much. never have to deal never. with. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Ooh, how old no. is she now? Now she's 11. Okay, She'll be 12 next month. Mm. And where did she fall in um, your, your gaggle of eight? Where did she fall in that? She's the baby. Is she? Oh, is she? She's the baby. Oh, my goodness. How has that been for your family to, to deal with this? external stress it's probably affected all of you yes it did it was very traumatic for all of us um I you know was crying often I was angry Mm -hmm. um and it was a valid anger I Mm -hmm. needed to be angry Mm -hmm. absolutely Mm -hmm. um she was very forgiving um and just wanted to resume her normal life Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um not knowing that it would never be normal again after that but you know she was a kid And um, my husband was livid, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, he was just so angry, you know, Um, my white stepchildren, uh, one of them in particular started to have a hatred for white people Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. she herself was white. Mm -hmm. And so we had to process through that with her, you know, because we don't want her to have internalized racial discrimination against herself and her own culture, Mm. you know, because Every person, you know, isn't like that. You know, Mm -hmm. this person was like that. She was racist. Mm -hmm. Not every white person, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And um, our other children, um, our black children were very angry, you know. Um, And it just, it was tough, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And our other white children were angry too, Mm -hmm. you know. A lot of them cried. Um, Did, was there ever a either a recommendation or a request that the school have some kind of assembly some kind of a, a space for all of the parents of all of the children and maybe even the children depending on their age to have a conversation about what happened what it meant any of that not at that point okay. um a few months later when Mariah got in 5th grade Um, A white kid threatened to murder her. Um, So he told her that he knows where we live because he rode our school bus. He has access to guns, he said, because my dad's a police officer. Mm. And he said, I am going to come to your house and murder you. Uh, This white kid who clearly threatened gun violence, who had intent and who has access access. to guns Mm -hmm. and knows where we live. Nothing was done. Mm. Nothing at all. No conversation, no interrogation, no suspension, no ruining of the character, no mass email being sent out. Nothing. 
the inequity. It's just like Erica's shaking her head. It's just, it leaves you speechless. Yes. Did, did the superintendent ever do any of the things that you asked? No. What um, ended up happening is um, another incident happened where my daughter was spit on um, by a, oh, a kid. Mm. And uh, when he spit on her, her friends held her back because she went to chase after him. Um, she had just had enough. Mm-hmm. And multiple things, multiple other things had happened in between. Uh, somebody, a, a white kid threw an object, hit her in the face. She had a bruise on her face. Um, she had been spit on before by the same student. And so she had just had enough. She had never retaliated up until that point. But that day she had enough. And so she ran after him. Her friends grabbed her and held her back. When they grabbed her, the student punched her in the face and knocked her tooth out. Oh so my gosh. he punched her in the face and her tooth fell out the next day. And she was detained in yet another principal's office all day as the victim. And um, when she came home off the school bus, I was not contacted again. She was sitting in the principal's office alone for hours while he was supposedly doing his investigation. And she was the victim. Her mouth was bleeding. She told them that nobody ever rendered her aid, never sent her to see the school nurse, Mm -hmm. never looked in her mouth and asked if she was okay. Uh, she told me, she said, mom, I feel like they were being racist towards me again. And I said, what happened? And she proceeded to tell me how the principal told her how she, uh, should be glad that she has a good group of friends who held her back and kept her from retaliating. Because if she would have retaliated against that student, she would have had to go talk to the school police officer liaison. And just hearing, (laughs) just hearing these stories again, makes me think about how all of the other parents who want the best for their child would never say that this was okay for their child. Mm -hmm. Why is it okay for somebody else's children to go through this? Why do we have to wait, um, even going back to the definitions of racism, why do we have to wait till there's some kind of physical violence Mm -hmm. or... um, or something that they can't undo. Why do we have to wait to even get action after all of these things have happened? Who, why is that okay? It, it, this would never fly if this was a white kid. No. Never. It would never. Those nope. parents would be in there. Yes. Right. The administration would be falling all over themselves yes. right, to make it right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the support. Like you said, there would, there right. would be. Yep. All of the PTO, all of every group, the entire town would be in there demanding that something be done. Yes. And And we can't keep letting sheer numbers because then that means we can't be alone anywhere because we won't have the numbers to support us. If if you are the 0.3%, you should be able to count on the other 97% to do what's right. Mm. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I was that parent. I mean, I was there um, often. I was emailing. I was calling. I was leaving work. Um, I was going on my lunch break to have lunch with her. I was um, 
I mean, I was in that school so much. Um, the doctor I was working with, he was angry over the racism and he started calling um, all these people in these positions of authority within the school district mm-hmm. that he knew by first name, mm-hmm. you know, and he was white and he was male mm-hmm. and he was demanding mm-hmm. that they do something. Mm-hmm. He said, this is my staff and she should not have to deal with this. Her child should not have to deal mm-hmm. with this. Mm-hmm. And so I was speaking up about it, um, but they had me chasing my tail. Uh, nobody was responding. They weren't following through. It just wasn't coming together. Just kind of wear you down. Just if you just if you just let her chase her tail for a while, then yes. she'll just stop. She'll get tired. Yeah. It'll go away. I mean, some of the things that we hear about the current situation in the entire country. Yes. Let's just wait. They won't be angry for long. It'll yes. go away. They'll stop. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's pretty much how they were treating me. And then um, when I talked to the principal, he said the same thing to me that my daughter said. He said to her, your daughter should be glad that she has a good group of friends who held her back and kept her from retaliating because she would have had to talk to the school police officer liaison. I said, did the student who actually assaulted my daughter have Mm -hmm. to talk to the school police officer Mm -hmm. liaison? Well, because of FERPA, the Student Privacy Act, I'm not um, at liberty Mm. to discuss that with you. I said, you know, I work in healthcare, and I know that FERPA works like HIPAA. Mm -hmm. I said, and you can disclose information on a need-to-know basis. You don't have to tell me specifics, names Mm -hmm. and things like that, Mm -hmm. right? But you can assure me as a parent Mm -hmm. that you discipline this student. Mm -hmm. And he said, no, he wouldn't tell me. Uh, There was video footage available. He said, I get the feeling your daughter is more involved than she's letting on. And so her blackness, how dare she? (laughs) Yes, her blackness. Yep. And so he denied me the opportunity to look at the video footage. Um, Again, bringing up FERPA. And uh, long story short, the superintendent, Peter Smet, got involved um, again. um, But it took uh, almost two months with this process. And we met and Peter Smet said, yes, you will let her watch the video. And so Peter Smet and I watched the video together. The principal uh, defended the other student, by the way. Um, He said to me on the phone, well, I looked at the video footage and it looks like the student was just flailing his arms and couldn't have hit your daughter hard enough to knock her tooth out. I said, well, there's no disputing that. My daughter was punched in the face and right where she was punched, her tooth was loosened and bleeding that day in your office. And then it fell out the next day and I took her to the dentist and they confirmed Mm -hmm. that it was her 12 year old molar and wouldn't have come out to a year later. Mm -hmm. And so he said, and the student said he didn't mean to spit on her. He meant to spit on the ground. And I said, by your own admission, this same student spit on her previously, not that long ago, but you think this time was an accident? Mm -hmm. He said, yes. So Peter Smet and I watched the video and the principal watched it. He did not want me to watch it, but Peter Smet said, yes, she will watch it. And we could both see the student spit on my daughter, her chase after him. The friends grab a hold of her and the student drew his fist back. And then all the kids gathered around so you couldn't see him land the punch. But it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out what happened after that, knowing Mm. that she lost the tooth. Mm. (laughs) It's just like nothing. It's just... mm. It's appalling. I I am working on, it is not lost on me that uh, the spaces that we live, work, worship in that look so differently than us that we've, and we've talked before about, you know, tone policing about what you say, how you say, because, you know, you're the angry black woman and, and that didn't really happen or you can't prove it. It is so exhausting. Yes. It is so exhausting to to have to prove 50 times over, like you're omniscient, 
Let me tell you all the things that happened, but you know that another situation could happen and and someone else's word is just taken for for truth. Yes. No, they're telling the truth because I can trust them, because I can depend on them, but this person, she is probably not, you know, trustworthy or she might have an agenda. What? That I want my children to grow up healthy and happy and free from harm yes. in your suburb. Yep. Thank you very much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. I don't know how many stories have to come out for people to believe and understand. I, I, I don't know. It, it's so clearly racist. Yes. It, it, it's just, I don't know. It's appalling. It's also appalling to me that the superintendent saw all of these patterns mm-hmm. and things continue to happen. Did you, Whatever happened when you went to the school board with the policies, has anything changed in the district? No. Um, the district basically started checking off boxes. Mm-hmm. So they started working with me, and mm-hmm. I thought they were genuinely uh, trying to make the school more equitable. Mm-hmm. So I started meeting with them every week. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the superintendent, the principal. They brought the school counselor in. They created a Google Doc checking in with my daughter every day. Um, but by then, the trust had been lost, so she mm-hmm. wouldn't tell them anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't trust them anymore. No. Um, but my daughter still needed to go there. We owned our home. We couldn't move, um, so she needed to go there. And um, that uh, superintendent, um, I demanded quite a few things. So they ended up giving children uh, cease and desist contracts months after uh, they had done all of these things to my daughter because I wouldn't stop fighting. So months later, three students did get cease and desist contracts uh, where they were not allowed to come near my daughter. Um, And um, the school, the school bus company, I talked to the owners and I demanded that they train their bus drivers and their staff because a lot of this stuff happened on the bus. Mm -hmm. And my daughter went and told an adult every single time with every single situation. And the adults turned away from her Mm -hmm. and left her on her own to defend and even sent her to sit back next to the student who threatened to murder her on the bus. Um, and so I demanded that. And then the bus company initially, uh, was not in agreement with it, but I wouldn't stop. And so they finally agreed. So then the, uh, superintendent agreed to send them to some training. So they did that in the summer and then I wanted the staff trained as well on equity. Mm -hmm. So they sent them to, um, some type of culturally responsive, uh, training session for one day, um, in the summer. (laughs) And then that was supposed to prepare us for the following yeah, school year. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yep, that's that's, that's what we need to do. Um, and so he was going to retire soon. So he started implementing, uh, him and I were working on different things like an app for students to report uh, bullying and racism mm. anonymously. Mm-hmm. He brought the school uh, police officer liaison in on it. Um, and, you know, we were all meeting regularly before he retired to do these things. Mm-hmm. And then he assured me that where we last left off, I mean, we even had documents every time we met to update them on where we were with each thing, you mm-hmm. know. And he assured me that his... Um, his uh, the uh, superintendent who would come in after him would pick up where we last left off and he would do an introduction and, you know, um, and it would just go from there. Well, that is not what happened. Mm. I had to start all over again. Mm. So you obviously have the patience of Job. There's one. And Mother Teresa. And Mother Teresa. All wrapped up. Do, did you ever think that you weren't going to be able to handle these situations with the grace and love and care that you were trying to and just give up on all of it, call every news outlet, 
shout that somebody's a racist and and pick it in front of their door and that that was going to be the only way to do it. Eventually, I got to that place, yes. Um, You know, being Christian, I tried my best, you know, to do what I thought Jesus would do. You know, I tried to work with them. I tried not to defame the school district. I tried to give them the benefit of the doubt. I tried to think the best of them. Mm -hmm. I tried to think that they were just white people who just didn't know what they didn't Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. you know. And if somebody was to bring awareness and try, try to partner with them and, you know, try to help them along, that they would be able to turn things around and make it better for other children going forward, you know, because I thought, you know, if I sue them, then my voice will be silenced. Mm -hmm. And then these issues will persist because nobody will know that they're happening. Mm -hmm. And then future children of color who live here will deal with these same things that my kids are dealing with. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want that. Mm -hmm. And it meant more to me to have my voice and to see change come about than to take those routes, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but nope, that did not go anywhere. It fell on deaf ears, which is how the coalition was formed. Right, right. And um, how are we looking on time? Let's let's take a quick break and we'll come back and then we're going to hear what Darnisha and, um, and some of her colleagues are, are doing now for Burlington. Thank you. Mm. So we've heard Darnisha in her journey and then the decision to say that enough is enough. We've tried all these different ways to work with the school district and they had not worked. So tell us, Darnisha, about what steps you took next. Thank you. So, excuse me, Um, I started praying more than I was before. Um, And then I started fasting because Mm. some prayers can't be answered by prayer alone. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so God started speaking um, and he started sending me to different people within the community. Um, And I felt like I was in a having like a Moses moment, you know, uh, where God sent him to tell, you know, Pharaoh to let his people go. And um, so as God would send me out and say, go here and go to this person and go to this place, I would go and then a a coalition started to be formed. Mm -hmm. Um, So people came on board and started standing with me in solidarity, leaders of the community, quite a few pastors within the Mm -hmm. community um, and other parents. Um, There was some white allies who had uh, biracial children Mm -hmm. um, who got on board and um, And we started going to school board meetings um, and the coalition was birthed Mm -hmm. out of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And in the midst of all of that, um, I went to um, a party in Kenosha um, through uh, people that I had been meeting along the way of this journey. And while I was there, this guy says to me, your story sounds so familiar. He said, I feel like I've heard this before. He said, there was a mom in Greendale who had a similar story. He Mm -hmm. said, and I think you should meet her. And I was like, okay. 
So he sent me her information and come to find out it was Deania mm-hmm. and Shanice. And um, I reached out to her and her and I started talking and come to find out it was divine intervention because she didn't even know this guy. Mm-hmm. And he had just known her story. Mm-hmm. And so um, her and I partnered. Um, and then we created another group, me, her and Sabrina called CERN, which is Communities Ending Racism Now. So the Burlington Coalition for Dismantling Racism, we deal with equity within the schools and we also um, do community organizing to try to bring the whole community together Mm -hmm. because the kids who are in the schools, they attend the churches. Mm -hmm. Burlington is very church heavy Mm -hmm. Um, and their parents work in the community. And so in order for us to be able to reach the school district, we need to do it collectively. Mm -hmm. And so that's how the coalition was formed. And uh, CERN, we decided, um, would go beyond Burlington. And so we help families uh, who live in predominantly white suburban areas uh, who are dealing with these same issues of racism outside of Burlington. And that's happening in a lot of places. Mm -hmm. So, um, in fact, I mean, I suppose if we had the numbers to back it up, we could say that any city outside of a large metropolitan city is having this issue. Mm-hmm. And it's not as if we've said before, it's not as if racism is just rearing its ugly head just now. It's not as if um, black people moving into the suburbs more than they had previously is the cause because mm-hmm. that would, that would, uh, lead you to the conclusion that the black people are the cause of this issue. So I think if we could, if we could prove it, we could show that it's happening everywhere. So I think that definitely having uh, CERN started to help connect and, and give a voice that can feed to this same organization to, to one, let the stories be heard. Because we're big proponents of people have to hear their stories, right? Yes. Everybody's story needs to be heard. Yes. Everybody's humanity needs to be affirmed. Like you are a human and I am sorry that that happened to you. Um, if we're going to talk about love your neighbor, loving your neighbor isn't only when there's a potluck. Yes. You know, so you have to love them in the trenches also. And and um, and I think that that is a, this, just a giant step. And I think probably feeling that you have others with you has has you know girded you up some like this is I am not in this by myself and um and I'm grateful that you've started it and I'm sure that we'll be <laughs> connecting yeah, through I know, that I, I am over here like I'm looking at your your Facebook right. page and I'm like let's, let's go to <laughs> the state and create some <laughs> right. policies exactly exactly yes. and sharing I mean sharing that information because why the power that's in numbers yeah. is someone knows how to do this or what that statute is or who to contact. So why would each individual person have to do it on their own? The collective action. It it is that collective action. And I kept hearing you say over and over, but I didn't back down. I just kept going in. I kept using my voice. And I guess that's what it's going to take in our communities. Mm -hmm. Yep. The squeaky wheel gets Mm -hmm. the grease. And I mean, here in Cedarburg for three years, we've been tiptoeing trying to get the school board to email us back or like the administration or the curriculum person nothing radio silence now they're at least emailing back sometimes Mm -hmm. we're talking to people 
but we know that if we just let it go, yes. nothing right. would happen. Right, yep. right. I, I, I fear that, you know, a lot of it is for show mm-hmm. or, you know, social media is always talking about these performative uh, actions that folks are taking. So as long as I put Black Lives Matter on my yes. website somewhere, yep. that means you will not think I'm a racist and you won't come after me to change any of my policies or to look yes. at any of my bias. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Yes, you so can't can't let that happen. Yep. Checking off boxes, right, right, mm-hmm. and 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 having the coalition. Even what have you seen in your community with the coalition? Are are people joining that you're surprised that they are being a part of this change or at least this discussion? Yes, definitely. Um, initially, when the coalition started, there was eight of us. Um, now we're at 17 and we just um, hosted our uh, first annual Juneteenth rally. So we made history in Burlington. <laughs> uh, we brought Juneteenth to Burlington. Uh, there you go. <laughs> the folks in Burlington didn't even know what Juneteenth was, right. didn't even know it existed. Right. And so we were able to spread awareness. And um, also we did a Kneel for Nine. We partnered with mm-hmm. some youth in the community, um, Jaden, um, Sarah, and Preston. Um, and Zeph. Um, so young people who attended Burlington High School, mm-hmm. students of color mm-hmm. who had endured quite a bit of racism themselves mm-hmm. and, you know, and are now in college and beyond high school. Um, we partnered with them. And during that Neil for Nine, um, they had about two to three hundred uh, white allies come out to support. Mm-hmm. Um, as a result of that, what happened is a business in town um, decided that um, it's uh, yellow bus photography. Uh, Stephanie Olson decided that she wanted to create uh, 100 Black Lives Matter signs uh, and then um, offer them um, for donations of any amount um, for businesses in town to put them in their windows, for uh, neighbors hmm. to put them in their yards. And she would donate all the proceeds to the Burlington Coalition for Dismantling Racism. And so in doing that, she got rid of all the signs. She got donations. She uh, sent the money to us. But she also recruited potential coalition members for us. Mm -hmm. And so I uh, sent out um, like a mass email that included 41 people now as a result of Juneteenth and what Stephanie did for us, who wants to come on board and join the coalition. Mm -hmm. So it it has grown significantly. Mm -hmm. It is. You cannot do this work alone. No. No. You shouldn't. No. You shouldn't have to. No, and you can't. No. You can't sustain it. No. And you shouldn't have to be in a community that doesn't see this as relevant, <laughs> right? As as helpful as the betterment of all of us. It's and I think everyone. that's where that yeah. that that tension comes in. Sometimes you're trying to do this to us. Yes. I'm trying to do this for us exactly. because we all need it. That's right. <laughs> so yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes, we all stand to benefit from this. Mm -hmm. And the thing about it is um, racism is not a black person problem. Mm -hmm. That's not a people of color issue. Mm -hmm. This is a white issue Mm -hmm. and it's a sin issue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, it's going to take for white people to resolve this issue. Mm -hmm. And, you know, us people of color, we are here to help Mm -hmm. and we want to change these narratives too because they're impacting us and our children. Mm -hmm. But this isn't even our battle to fight, you know? And so... It's a humility, it's a pride issue. And and before you were talking about humility. Yes. And it's 
<laughs> it's being honest with yourself. Yes. Mm-hmm. What, if you're a Christian before the Lord, mm-hmm. if you're not, um, for other reasons. Yes. And look at your heart. Mm-hmm. We all have things that we need to grow in. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I'm humbled every day as I think about, I'm a racist. We mm-hmm. all are. And so stop saying you're not. Yes. Just own it. Ask for forgiveness yes. and continue to be transformed. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And and people focus on the language, which is why we've tried to, okay, well, let's talk through some of the language. They focus on the language and you want to fight a word. Okay. Skip the word. Yes. Lay out what you did these last three times or mm-hmm. what you saw somebody else do. Were those things right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Would you have done that if it were a white child, if yes. it were a white man that you did? Would you have done and said those same things? Yes. You know, you've got to reckon with that. You That's don't have right. to come to me and report out that you, well, yeah, I, I did do that. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not anybody's God, right? I don't need yes. you to come and tell me that, that you did something wrong. But you need to recognize it. You have got that some deep internal work. And we're trying to help. Yes. We're trying to offer some education. What books can you read? What book club? This is another of the it gets stuck in the performative measures. Well, that book club, what's that going to do? Mm-hmm. If you have people who can't even admit that racism exists, yes. they might need that book club. Yes. They might need to talk to each other a little bit and yes. read a little bit. And that might need to be their starting point. If we're bridging out to get to wherever you are. Yes. If that's where you are, then how about we help you with that? Let's get, let's give you a list of books. Let's help. And then when you're many steps forward and you're ready to be a part of a coalition, then let's connect you with people who Mm -hmm. are ready to take you to whatever that next step is. Someone who you're in relationship with, who, when you make a mistake will say, yeah, you shouldn't have done that. Mm -hmm. Okay, next let's go. You know that it's, it's not, it doesn't have to be this butting heads and no. this angry and ugly all the time. And nope. it's just hard to get people to, to understand that, that that's a part of this journey. And mm-hmm. maybe that is it. Maybe those of us who think that we understand it with the grace, with the patience yes. of getting you not, I'm not going to let you stroll to get there. Yes. I'm going to prod you a little bit, yes. but giving you a little bit of space to get to where you need to, so that you can take that next step. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you hit the nail right on the head. Um, and that's how I ended up forming the Be The Bridge Life Group in Burlington. Mm-hmm. Um, that's exactly what Be The Bridge is about. Mm-hmm. You know, let's have these uncomfortable conversations. Let's talk transparently. Mm-hmm. You know, let's try to find a mutual space of understanding. You know, let's try to tackle some of those stereotypes about the angry black woman syndrome, you know, and, um, you know, all of these uncomfortable conversations that we've been tiptoeing around and we can't say the R word. I mean, Mm -hmm. really? Mm -hmm. We can't say racism. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's call a duck a duck, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) So, yeah. So tell us, we do have a pretty decent sized listenership. So tell us again, each of the groups that you're involved with and how someone who's listening to us now could connect. Okay, thank you. So the Burlington Coalition for Dismantling Racism, um, also known as BCDR, we have a Facebook page. Um, So please uh, search us on there. Um, If you'd like to get involved with the coalition, um, one of us will reach out to you. Um, Just um, send us an email. um, And our email address is um, BCDR. 
B-C-D-R-A-C-I-S-M at gmail.com. So that's B-C-D-Racism at gmail.com. Um, and we can get you involved. Um, if you would like to join CERN, um, you could um, find us on Facebook as well. We have a CERN um, Facebook page. That's C-E-R-N. And you may have to search for the um, the actual title, which is Communities Ending racism now um our facebook page will also link you to our website um and um if you want to send us an email you can do that as well our email address is cern ow 20 at gmail.com that's c-e-r-n-o-w 20 at gmail.com and i believe you can also um get our email address from our facebook page um, if you are interested in joining Be The Bridge, um, Be The Bridge has multiple locations all over. Um, Be The Bridge has a Facebook group that you could join. Um, and you could also, if you, our face, our uh, Be The Bridge life group in Burlington is closed because we are full. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you want to join another one or if you're interested in starting one, mm-hmm. you can look me up on Facebook. My name is Darnisha Garbati and my Facebook name is Darnisha Garbati, John Garbati. So that's D-A-R-N-I-S-H-A-G-A-R-B-A-D-E. And then my husband's name, J-O-H-N. G-A-R-B-A-D-E. And I would be willing to help you start your own Be The Bridge Life group. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd walk alongside you and support you. And we'll have all of this in the show notes um, so that people can reference and folks that are mm-hmm. hearing it much later than we publish it can still go back in and, and, mm-hmm. and link up that way. And we did attend. Um, CERN had a... It wasn't a training. It was what would what would you call that last Saturday? I would call it a webinar. A yeah. webinar. Okay. So we so we've attended that and and many of the things that we're working to do in Cedarburg. We started the petition. We've had meetings with um, alumni, with other interested parties, and and Heidi is working on making sure that we can get a, a, a committee together to continue to work on these issues. And so we found out uh, several things on the CERN meeting. Going oh. Yes. How mm-hmm. could we do that? That's what we're trying to articulate. We're, you know, we can lay things out and yes. that's it. I wonder who I can talk to at DPI. Oh, there you go. Sabrina just gave somebody's name. Okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And all of those wonderful things are on the CERN website too. Okay. Okay. So yeah, we'll list all of those down. I feel in like the... our partnership is just beginning. I know. Yes. Yes. I'm excited. <laughs> too. Mm, this is good. Thank you so very much mm-hmm. for sharing your story, sharing the story of your family. Mm-hmm. And I hope that people that listen can not take it as just another story, just another thing that someone else is saying, but hear what it feels like to come up against this racism that you claim is invisible. Mm-hmm. It doesn't exist. It exists and it it is hitting whole families so so very deeply and you are using your privilege to stand by and say that nothing's wrong. So I, I appreciate you, you know, taking the time to to let us let us t- tell your story with you yes. <laughs> here on on CPL radio and um hopefully we'll be connecting again soon. I hope so, too. Thank you so much. I appreciate this opportunity. Thank you, ladies. It's good to have you. (laughs) Thank Thank you. you. Thanks for listening. We welcome your feedback, suggestions, and any program ideas. Spoken word artist Propaganda states, we need to consider the waters we swim in. Maybe it's not toxic to me, but it's toxic to my neighbor. And if it's toxic to my neighbor... 
It's probably toxic to me, too. Let's breathe better water. Contact us on our website at www.bridgethedivide.life. You can email us, info at bridgethedivide.life. Or reach us on social media. Facebook is Bridge the Divide Community. And on Instagram, it's Bridge the Divide Podcast.